In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As a parent, there are three words that I utter with more frequency than any other these days, and those are eyes on me. (laughs) I've learned, or I'm learning, that amidst all the distractions racing through my girls' minds, the things that are in front of them, and all the sounds and noises around them, to expect that if I share something with them or ask them to do something, and expect they'll hear it is a big assumption. (laughs) To know I'm truly heard, they need eye contact. So before I ask anything of them, direct them to pick something up, it always begins with eyes on me, girls, and I wait until they look up, make eye contact, and then instructions follow. Now, whether or not the instructions are followed out, even after I've been truly heard, is another story. If you have advice or wisdom on that, I am all ears and my eyes will be on you as well if you have anything to share. In many ways, this day when we celebrate the baptism of Jesus is, in many ways, an eyes-on-me moment. In fact, I'd invite you to open to Isaiah 42 that points to this passage because as you do so, you'll notice that the first word in verse 1, which is also repeated in the last verse in verse 9, is behold. Behold, pay attention. Take note of, take heed of what I am doing. And so as we go through this passage, it's really a way as we begin a new year, and I always love that on the first Sunday or sometimes the second, depending on how the calendar falls, we get the baptism of Jesus, which is in many ways an eyes-on-me moment to pay attention to what God is doing and to discover ways that we remain oriented upon Him in the year ahead. So as we look at this passage, um, we are going to behold the baptism of Jesus and discover three lessons towards that end. In verse 1 and 2, we really see if you had your uh, Bible earmarked or if you flip back and forth in your bulletin between this and the gospel reading, uh, behold my servant, Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen and whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. We notice that in Jesus' baptism, when uh, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove, his spirit is upon him. And those final words, which are slightly different, but equally the same as what we get at the end of verse 1, are the same. Behold, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, or in whom my soul delights, as Isaiah foretells so long before. It's from that moment that Jesus is upheld in his ministry, in his temptation in the wilderness that immediately follows, which we remember in Lent, which is not too far off this time of year on Valentine's Day. And as we move throughout uh, the season of the year, we remember that Jesus is uphold, upheld by the Spirit of God in all that he undertakes, unlike the spirit of the age or rulers and principalities, as Paul calls them, or even in chapter 41 of Isaiah, um, where they're tantamount to kind of just empty wind um, in what they have in terms of their strength and disposition. And in verse 2... Well, the end of verse 1, beginning in verse 2, we see um, three times that because the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, he will bring forth justice to the nations. 
That word justice, as it's translated more often in those four verses, is repeated three times. Justice is really God's purpose, his verdict, um, executing his will and ways upon the earth, which he does not cry out aloud or lift up his voice to make known, or is it heard in the street, unlike the rulers of the age that sound things out quite literally uh, in many ways. Um, kings and, and, and leaders, of course, would, would have trumpeteers and people to call attention to what they wanted heard. And these days, they ding in our pockets in many ways. So um, in, in that way, God does not need such uh, advertisement. And what he plans to bring about are much different than the rulers of this age. A bruised reed he will not break, a faintly burning wick he will not quench, He'll faithfully bring forth justice, his verdict upon the earth. Verse 4 is um, one to take note of in the beginning of the year. It's one of great encouragement. He will not grow faint heart or be discouraged till he's established his justice upon earth. Think about that. Jesus never grows weary of his mission. He never will fail in his plans and purposes until his verdict, until his justice is fully established and executed upon earth. That means it's still happening. And Jesus does not grow weary of it when he was on earth in human form, nor does he grow weary of it as he sits in his rightful place in glory, continuing to advance it until it is brought to pass. And the coastlands wait for his law. The coastlands, uh, at least in the Old Testament, are kind of seen as the ends of the earth. Um, everyone around the Mediterranean Sea and all those people, that was kind of the known world. So it's their way of, of essentially saying, um, waiting for the ends of the earth uh, for his law, for his judgment. So in many ways, what we're called to behold as a first stop along the way is really to recognize um, what God has done and what God is doing in Christ Jesus. Eugene Peterson has a way with words, and I love this quote of his. He says, take a long, scrutinizing look at what God is doing. This requires patient attentiveness and energetic concentration. Everyone else is noisier than God. The headlines and neon lights and amplifying systems of the world announce human works. But what of God's works? They're unadvertised, but also inescapable. If we simply look, they're everywhere. They're marvelous. God has no need of public relations agencies. He mounts no publicity campaign to get our attention. He simply invites us to look. So as we begin a new year, behold, look, pay attention to, be attentive to what God has done in Christ Jesus. That's what this day is about. It starts us on a path to look at Jesus' life and ministry um, as we start through another calendar year, which began with Jesus leading up to his entrance into the world, and as we remembered on Christmas, his entrance into the world, and as his plans and purposes are unfolding each and every day. Take a good, long, scrutinizing look. It requires patient attentiveness and energetic concentration. Take a look, look at your own life and the ways that God has worked and is working. I'd say especially, especially when you can't recognize it right now. Take a good long look at what he has done. It reminds you of his faithful track record time and time again, which will not fail 
He does not grow faint-hearted or weary or discouraged, as verse 4 reminds us, until his justice has been established on the earth. Sometimes that requires that every night we look back at just the day, the hours of the day. Where did we recognize his hand at work? And sometimes it's in simple things, and sometimes it can just be the simple fact that we made it to the end of the day and that we were still standing. But nonetheless, we're called to take a good, long, scrutinizing look at what God is up to. And as we turn to verse 5, we discover that as we do so, even more encouragement comes because this is who God is. Thus says God, the Lord, who spread or created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people and spirit to those who walk in it. Lest we forget, lest we forget that he's the one who's formed and fashioned all we see ourselves and gives us life and breath every day. It is he who sustains and he who's called us. I am the Lord. We get the first of a few I am statements. This is his name. I have called you, in this case, um, immediately pointing to Cyrus historically there, but later pointing to Jesus uh, in righteousness. And I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people. Notice his plans and purposes do not grow discouraged nor faint-hearted, even though the covenant for the people was Israel as a people, which they had not failed, which they had failed, I should say, to uphold. But in Jesus, he becomes that covenant for the people, a light for the nations, which was their intended purpose and what we celebrate in this season of Epiphany, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison, those who sit in darkness, that those who are imprisoned in all the world, whose eyes are blind to what God is doing, whose dungeons are their own sinful forms and fashioning, and those that have been fashioned by the sinful behaviors of others, who sit in darkness, the light has dawned upon them. Behold the baptism of Jesus, to which this passage points. We're first called to recognize what God has done, and then we're called to return more fully to him. I love that um, on this day in particular, um, of course, it seems fitting that when you celebrate the baptism of Jesus, you celebrate baptisms in general. And in, in the case like today, where we don't have a baptism per se, we still are called to renew our own baptismal vows. And in that, if you had your Bible or your uh, bulletin, excuse me, in front of you, you notice the first thing that we do um, in the renewal of our baptismal vows is is a turning from. It's three renunciations before three turnings to. There's always a call to return to the one who's formed and fashioned us. Uh, A call to recognize, um, as Isaiah points out and poetically weaves in here, um, the deadly deceits of this world that draws from the love of God as that renunciation comes. Um, The empty promises of this world for what they are, empty and void of any sort of substance and meaning. To recognize those things and to turn from them, and in so doing, to turn back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith to recognize that he is Lord of all, as we uh, reaffirm, to recognize that the way in which we lead a life that pursues him is outlined in the pages of Scripture, and that we need his Spirit, his Holy Spirit, which indwells us through baptism upon us daily 
uh, to help us towards that end, to strengthen us towards that end. And so as we reflect on what he has done, we look toward what he purposes to do in us, the ways that we fall short, and, and not just resolve at the beginning of a new year to do better, but rather to daily turn back to him. So likewise, at the end of the day, as we recognize what he's done, we can recognize the areas that we have failed to walk in his plans and purposes. And we ask for his grace, which is always there before us when we come to him as we do so. And then finally, in verse 8 and 9, we discover one last lesson. Again, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. God is not the, the best God among options. He's not the superior God among um, more inferior gods. He's the one and only true God. And as such, he cannot and will not give his glory to another. That's why when he's named, he names himself. He can't, he can't do any other. And so when his glory resides and rests in the baptism of Jesus, on Jesus, it's a sign that he is, and I'll, I'll, I'll go this far and I'll leave it because theologically we get muddy here, right? But he is me. He is part of the Godhead. I cannot give my glory to another. And as such, as we see his manifestation in the world, his glory shines forth to the nations. And behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. So many hundreds of years before this came to pass, these words are uttered. And for these impossible things to come to pass, the justice, the, the binding up of the bruised reed, the, the, uh, the, the further flaming of the, the wick that is dimly burning, all of these things... He will bring to pass. Before he does them, I declare them. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them as our passage ends. In many ways, we are then in response called uh, to render to God what is his because he has taken our form upon him to renew us. As Cyril of Alexandria noted long of old so wonderfully that there was no other way to honor the slave, i.e. humanity, except by making the characteristics of the slave his very own, so that they could be illumined from his own glory. What is preeminent will always conquer, and the shame of slavery is thus borne away from us. He who was above us became as we are. He who is naturally free took on the limitations of our lives. And so in the baptism of Jesus, we see what he plans and purposes to do. And as we return to him, our final response is one of rendering our very hearts and lives back to God, rendering all aspects of our lives before him. The triumphs and the trials and the temptations, all of it. Not just our best when we think we've got it together, but rendering to him our struggles and our trials, our listlessness and our limitations, our letdowns, all of it that we bring before him. And in so doing, it brings our hearts back to him to allow him to continue to strengthen us for what he's called us to do and to continue to allow us to then point others to him as well. And thus, in the final days of the, um, of the season leading up to Christmas, we're reminded of the journey of the wise men whereby um, this day celebrates his, 
being made known unto the world. And as we begin in this season, we're reminded that we too are called to be a light to the nations because the Spirit then resides upon us. And so in these days and months and weeks and hours, as they often clip by to come, we're reminded uh, first to behold the baptism of Jesus, which comes daily as we recognize what he's done, both historically and historically in our own lives. We're called to return to him more fully each and every day, uh, recognizing our shortcomings as we do so. And then lastly, we render our lives, we render our best to him. In many ways, this passage begins the year with eyes on me, eyes on me, see what I have done and what I am doing, both in your life and in the world around you. I will not fail to bring it about. And if we keep our eyes on him, we're always oriented for the end of the story, because the end of the story is one whereby we remember his eyes are all we will see. And so, may God grant us the grace in this season to do just that, to behold, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus this year, and when we fall short, to return to him each and every day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.